0: Last week, of course, we're, we're continuing in the book of Revelation, and last week we saw uh, the great throne room of the one who sits on the throne. And he's surrounded, this, the Father on high, with those who are praising him for his holiness and his glory and his power. And they're casting down crowns before him and praising him and proclaiming his greatness. And I remind us, that is the, the control center of all of the cosmos. And that all of our lives are governed from that throne. That he is ever in control. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our God. And so our, our hearts ought to dwell there and be concerned with the things that happen there. And today we're going to see the actions of that king who sits on the throne. And we're just going to jump right into it. So let's see. Let's see. What does the one who is sitting on the throne do? He takes up and he holds a scroll. A scroll for the one who is worthy. Verses 5, 1 through 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back We thank you that you have the scroll in your right hand. We thank you that you have a plan and that out of your sovereign authority and power you are going to work. And Father, we ask that you might help us to understand the way you are working and the one in whom you are working, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you give us concern for the plan that you have for all eternity? Father would you help us to live as ones who are worthy of being called the followers of the lamb for he alone is worthy we pray in Christ's name amen all right so i don't want to give away stuff so we're going piece by piece here all right you probably know the ending but we have to we're going to work through this so the ancient of days the father he is holding a scroll in his hand It's written on the outside and on the inside. A scroll with seven seals. And we ask, okay, what is this thing? Of course, we want to know the symbolic meanings of all this stuff. And we turn to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, he's given something that looks very similar. When I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out before me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. He spread it before me. And it had writing on the front and on the back. Just the same. And there were written on it words of lamentation, and mourning, and woe. So what is this scroll? This is a scroll of judgment, of lamentation, and mourning, and woe. It is a prophecy of this judgment that would come upon the world. A judgment that would both destroy and redeem And yet, this is not just any scroll. So Ezekiel got a scroll, and he proclaimed that message. But this is a special scroll, and we actually read about it in Daniel. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Now, the book of Daniel, it's a a prophetic book, and it reveals so much. But then there's this last scroll, this last book that's given, and Daniel's not permitted to open it. The time has not yet come. The last days have have not come. The latter days have not come. The time for the ending hasn't yet come. And so this, this last prophecy is sealed up and kept And now, now it resurfaces. The Lord is now holding that scroll in his hand. So this is the final judgment. This is the final woe and lamentation. This is the judgment that will end all judgment. And it is perfect. The seven seals showing that this is complete and final. The fullness of all judgment and final redemption are here in the hand of the Father. But there's, of course, a problem. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And what does that mean? Right, this is the last and final judgment. This is the, the end of time. This is the redeeming of all things. And yet, no one can open the thing. And it's not like this is just a prophecy and it's going to tell you the future. No, this is a prophecy that once opened and read, it makes the thing true. It brings about the final end of days. It brings about the final judgment. Think of it kind of like like wedding vows, right? Wedding vows, they aren't just words that we say. They also have power in them. They, They create the marriage. And that's what this scroll is. It's going to bring about the last days and the final working of God. And yet, the angel calls for someone to open it. And no one is worthy. No one can bring about the redeeming of all things. Now... Why not? The obvious question is, like, okay, this is, this is God the Father. Surely he's worthy to open the thing. It's his will. It's his, it's his decision. It's his plan. Why can't he just open it? All right, the problem is that God has created this plan for humanity. A human is to open it. This is a plan that, that Adam was originally supposed to usher in. And what has happened? there is no one who is worthy to open it because everyone has been conquered by sin and by Satan and by death. This worthy one is supposed to come in and, and conquer and destroy and, and judge and defeat evil. And the reality is that every single human being instead has, has fallen under that trap. And that every human being is slave to sin. And is conquered by sin. And is corrupted by sin. So that if there's going to be any judgment, that the person who tries to judge would be judged and condemned by their their very own actions. They cannot stand and they have not withstood. None of us are free from sin. And none of us are worthy to bring about judgment. None of us are worthy to usher in the last days. None of us are worthy to judge. And so, what does John do? John weeps. I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. All right. Now, this is not the main point, but this is a sub-point. All right. When you hear That the judgment of God is being thwarted. Do you weep? Do you weep? And as I interact with most people and and my own heart, I realize that no, I, I have more of a tendency to weep that there is a judgment coming. I weep that this scroll exists. I weep that God would be holding it out. I weep that there is condemnation and wrath to be poured out. John does not. John weeps that there's no one to open the scroll. And that's where I think we have to have this, this fundamental change in, in perspective that we often come to passages like this of judgment, of, of righteousness and wrath, and we go on to humanity's side, and we get upset, and we say, no, I, how dare you, God? Why? Why would you judge? Why would you condemn? Why are you this wrathful, vengeful God? Instead of being on the side of God himself and saying, yes, we hate sin. And we hate the injustices that are being committed. We hate evil and Satan and his kingdom of darkness. And we want it to be destroyed. Come, Lord. Break the seals. Open the scrolls. Bring about. Justice in these last days. John weeps. We have to ask ourselves, okay, are we... Are we weeping and longing for justice and God's victory? Even if it comes at a great cost. So... No one is found until verse 5. One is found who is worthy. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. All right. Now this is Old Testament language. This is the one who has been promised from way back when, right? We talked about the, the season before, the Old Testament season, and there has been someone who would come, a, a great king. The line of Judah, Judah was offered this great blessing that a king would come from him. And he would rule and he would reign and bring in the kingdom of God. We have the, the promise to David that a son from David would sit on the throne forever and forever. And here he is, the root of David. And what does it say? It says he has conquered. So we have this great picture of the conquering king. And the conquering king will defeat death and evil and darkness and sin. And will bring about a new world, the new heavens and the new earth. All right. Kids, what do you think he looks like? you imagine that king? The conquering king, the king of Judah, the king of David. Now, this is one of my favorite things that Revelation does. It, it says, and John hears, the Old Testament scriptures and the Old Testament imagery. So he hears it with his ears, and then he turns and looks... And it never looks the same that he thinks it's going to look. It's different. He's heard all of these images. And then now we get to see the fulfillment of those things come to pass and fulfilled in Christ. And so, what does he see after hearing of this great king? Verse 5. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. All right, think of the irony of this picture. The king, triumphant and conquering and then, What is it? It is a lamb that has been slain. The weakest of all animals, which has been sacrificed. Now, of course, that that explodes with imagery throughout the Bible. This is the Passover lamb, this is the sacrifice. This is the one who can take away sins. And we see that Jesus becomes king, becomes the victorious one by his death on the cross. That is his conquering. That is his power. That is what makes him worthy. Now, why? Why does that make him worthy of opening this scroll? All right, first, he's done what none of us have. He has truly obeyed. He has endured every temptation, every suffering, every sorrow. And, and before his death, what does he say that no one else has said in human history? Not my will, but your will be done. To his very death, to the very end, he said, Not my, my will, but your will be done. Every single moment, he said, Not my will, but your will. And as a final test, He said, I will die. He alone is worthy to judge and to take that scroll because he alone is the only one who's not under that same judgment, who has not been defeated by temptation and sin and darkness. He alone is that victory over Satan. The second sense in which he alone is worthy is that He has defeated sin for the people of God. That his death meant his conquering sin for you and for me, for all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's where we were slaves to sin. We are dead in our sins. We are children of wrath. We are members of the kingdom of darkness. And how did he free us from that? By his very death on the cross. He bore the judgment we deserved. He took on all of the payment of wrath and death. And he conquered us. And he delivered us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. His death began, the the victory for all who put faith in him. Now finally, finally, his death allowed for the resurrection. That he came as a human to come and to die so that he might resurrect from the dead. So that he might have victory over death. He might show that death has no hold on him and death has no hold on anyone who is in him. He is the victorious one, resurrected from the dead. And therefore he alone is able to judge. Now. All right, this is pretty good news. <laughs> yeah. All right, what if what if it had happened the judgment had happened before this? What if God had not waited? Then judgment would come and it would destroy us all. It would wipe out every single person. And that's where God he he reveals that in his judgment, no, he he has mercy and he has grace. And he longs to to rescue a people for himself and to show the, the power of salvation. When we see the judgment of God, we should see first the cross. That judgment is poured out upon Christ and that whoever wants to simply escape judgment, they don't have to do anything but believe in the cross of Christ and receive it as their judgment. He's judged on our behalf. And so we have this odd image of the conquering lamb. He has seven, seven horns on his head, right? They're kind of weird, right? What does that mean? All right, horns are power. They're symbolic of power. And though this lamb looks weak and slain, no, he has, he has seven horns. He is all-powerful. He is perfect in his power to resurrect from the dead, to defeat evil, to conquer Satan, to bring about the new heavens and the new earth. And he has seven eyes. All right, it's creepy. All right, draw, draw that, kids. Yeah, heartwarming pictures here. Um, all right, why does he have seven eyes? Uh, it actually tells us. We like this. We like this in Revelation. All right. These are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This is the Holy Spirit. What this is saying is that not only is Jesus powerful, but he shares that power with us by giving us his very spirit and making us new people who are also conquerors, who are also victorious, who also fight sin and temptation and darkness and evil and death. It is both he will come in the last day and be victorious and he He gives us power to fight right now. He gives us the Holy Spirit. God with us, dwelling in us. The power of God. He alone is worthy to take the the scroll. He alone can carry out the judgment of God in a way that will redeem and save his people. All right. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? If Jesus conquered through death, if Jesus conquered by being slain and by bearing a cross, that is also how we will conquer. We cannot use the the systems of the world and expect, okay, I, I just need to be powerful and I need to be Wise, and I need to be resourceful, and then I will escape judgment and temptation and wrath. No. He has shown us how to be victorious in the kingdom of God, and it is through death and sacrifice. Now, we already saw that in the churches, remember? There were two churches that were doing well, and the reality for them was persecution. And what did he say? He says, you, you are, you look weak, but you are strong. And you are poor, but you're wealthy in the kingdom of God. And endure to the utmost, even unto death. Because the lamb has eternal life. How will you be victorious? It is through death. there's this is incredibly hard quote that is often said that the blood of the martyr is the very seed of the church. The blood of the martyr is the very seed of the church. That it is through death that the kingdom spreads. That the kingdom is victorious. Now no one is probably going to martyr you. It's probably not going to happen. But you are called to die. I'm called called to die. We are called to die. We are called to die to sin To die to ourselves, to die to our selfish desires, to die to our selfish ambitions, to die to our pride, to die even to our own insecurity, our own self-focus, our own self-determination. And as we die to all of these things, we are victorious in the kingdom of God. That is the path to victory. That is the path we walk in Jesus and with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Savior is worthy because he died. Let us also be, be worthy of the life to which he's called us, of the names to which he's given us. And now, his final passage. Where is the one who is worthy? The lamb is worthy to take this scroll. And as a result, the lamb is worthy to receive all praise and honor and glory. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying... And the four creatures said, "Amen." and the elders fell down and worshipped. Last week we saw the, the glory given to the one seated on the throne. And now that same glory turns and falls down before the lamb. He is our God. He is very God of very God the Son, Christ. He is worshipped as God because he is God. And as these men who represent the church, these angelic beings who symbolize men, (laughs) careful, uh, what do they have with them? They have harps, and they have golden bowls of incense. What is this? This is... This is the Christian. And fundamentally, what are Christians? They are worshipers and they are prayers. They praise and they pray. And here their prayers and their praises are directed towards the Son. He is the fulfillment of all of our prayers. He is the object of all of our praise. And they bow down before him. Why? Because he is worthy to take the scrolls and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and nation, people and tongue. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. What a new song. We have to understand this is a new song. John is trying to say, like, this is a song that was never able to be sung before. This is a new era. This is a new point in redemptive history. This is a a pinnacle. And because he was slain by your blood, you ransomed people for God. These people should be under God's wrath. They should be destroyed by this scroll they should be cast down. But by the very blood of Jesus, he has ransomed them. They have been kidnapped by sin and the kingdom of darkness, and he buys them back by his very own blood and delivers them from that judgment. And what does he make them? He makes them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. All right, Do we see that this is being transformed from utter... Judgment and destruction as those who are enemies of God. And he elevates, not not just to be people who praise and, no, who reign with him. Who are priests, who are the very kingdom. Not only are they not judged, they become the, the kings and lords and reigning. They become judges themselves. Princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. And so all praise and all worship that a God would do such a thing that the lamb would be slain for such a purpose. That God would wait for judgment until his people had been elevated to that place. And it's not just The church that praises. No, the the angels praise. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures, the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What is happening here? the angels didn't understand. They were as in the dark as anyone else. And when they see the lamb who was slain and they see the plan of God, we see passages, 1 Peter says that that the angels long to look into these things to understand the plan of God. And here they are The angelic hosts, their minds are blown by the glory of God and the grace and mercy that he has shown that he would elevate humanity to such a status that they would reign with him. And they are are praising and worshiping and delighted that God has brought about his plan in such a way. Of what is true now, but was true especially in that last, last day. That everyone, everywhere, and everything will worship. And all creatures, everything that has breath, will be praising the God who has brought about such a salvation. Such a redemption. Such a deliverance. Such a glorious and beautiful judgment. Philippians 2.10 At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now there's one last question. When will you worship? Everyone will worship. Everyone will recognize the glorious work of our God in Jesus Christ. And you will either worship now as the redeemed, as kingdoms and as priests, as those who reign with him, or you will worship on that last day as conquered rebels as those destroyed and judged by the scroll and its seven seals. Let us praise him now. Let us bow down to our Savior. Let us delight in what he has done. Let us receive the judgment of the cross, the judgment of the Lamb, not the scroll of judgment. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We praise you for such a salvation. And we confess that we deserve the judgment of the scroll. We deserve the punishment. And Father, we praise you and delight in the great lamb. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you that he was slain on our behalf. Father would you break our hearts. For our lack of worship. Would we hate our failure to worship. Would you fa- hate our. Would you cause us to hate our failure. To submit and to. To love this lamb. Who has been slain for us. Father would you give us. Great delight. In worshiping our Lord Jesus. Would we delight in him as our king. As our Lord. As our savior. Father would you show us how our lives can be about. Your glory. For all that you have done for us. Lord you are deserving of all glory. And all praise. All power. Father would you make this true in our lives. Day by day and moment by moment. Holy Spirit, fill us and change us. Help us to see our Savior, the Lamb who was slain, we pray in his name.